Hey guys. <clears throat> I can do better. Hey guys, this week's episode is brought to you by Grove Collaborative. Grove helps take the guesswork out of going green in your home because all of their products are guaranteed to be good for you, your family, and the planet. And for a limited time, they'll throw in a $30 Mrs. Myers and Grove cleaning set for free when you sign up at grove.co slash YHL. That's grove.co slash YHL. I'm John. And I'm Sherry. We like home stuff. We like talking. And we like the occasional game show sound effect. So welcome to Young House Love Has a Podcast, where we have deep and not so deep conversations about DIY, design, and life at home. Today we're talking to a simplifying expert about how to make your life less busy. Plus, the shopping category I'm going cold turkey on all year long, and our favorite mess-free trick for hanging heavy objects on your walls. Okay, so it's almost the middle of February, and I've been doing this thing this whole year. My plan is to do it for all of 2020. This whole year. Wow. (laughs) Very impressive. It's been, what, seven weeks? A month and a half already. But um, I think it's kind of nice to report about it after a month and a half because I've already, like, I've gotten used to it, and it's totally sustainable for me. But when I told my best friend about this resolution, there was, like, a long silence, and then she said, I'm drinking water, and I'm thinking about it. Like, I could tell that she thought this was a crazy thing. She knows me at this point. She knows I'm going to do it. I don't know. When you told me, I didn't think it was that crazy, but I feel like you should- Just say what it is? Yeah, you should quit the suspense. Um, I'm not going to buy clothes or shoes for a year. So no new clothes, no new shoes No secondhand clothes or shoes either. Like not just new, no purchases for my body. And that means like no accessories like purses or jewelry or belts too. Okay, so like anything that might be stored in a closet. Exactly. And my only two disclaimers are obviously if something I need wears out, like if something insane happens to like the sneakers I wear throughout the winter and I need more sneakers throughout the winter, I can replace them. Right. But I'm not going to say like, ooh, a different color. I would have more variety in my wardrobe if I added that new new option. Like there are not going to be any options. My other asterisk to this is that I do have like two store credits. They're like maybe $50 to Nordstrom and like $30 to Old Navy. That's what I'm going to use if there's an emergency. So I feel like even in an emergency, I break my one pair of shoes I wear all the time and I need them. I think my bank account is not going to shift this entire year. I don't want to jinx myself. Well, at least on the clothing budget. I'm sure a bank account is going to shift for other reasons. Right, 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 right. But I mean, like this this resolution is not just that I'm going to be like, oh, darn, my favorite shirt ripped. I need another favorite shirt. It really is like only staples that I really need to survive. If my favorite shirt ripped, I'd just wear my second favorite shirt. See, I don't think people are going to be that surprised by the challenge because you are already sort of known, I guess, as having a very compact or minimal wardrobe. But I still think it will be a challenge for you as much as like the you know, month and a half so far have not been. I think as we get through the year, especially as the seasons change and like you might realize like you're shorter on summer clothes than you thought you were or when it starts to get cold again, you feel like the itch to get something warm like a new sweater or something. I think there will be moments where you have to more consciously fight the urge to buy something because I think a lot of us shop for things, you know, even if our wardrobe feels complete just out of the habit or activity of it or just because, you know, there is that sort of, I guess, endorphin boost when you see something that looks nice or fits you well and you put it in your shopping cart. Yeah, you're like, I deserve this. No, I think you're right that it probably won't shock anyone because I'm a really minimal wardrobe kind of gal. But I also think since we've done things for a month, like we did like a no spend month, right? I do think 12 in a row is like a bigger feat. 
but I am looking forward to it because what I've realized is that when I make a rule for something, it actually makes it much easier for me. If I were to say, I want to just shop less, I don't know that my behavior would change at all. Like, I can't have like 15 french fries and stop. I will eat a thousand french fries or I have to say, I'm not going to eat any french fries this moment. You know that thing on the menu where you can order a thousand french fries? (laughs) I do it every time, guys. (laughs) But that's what I mean. Like, moderation is not easy for me. Gretchen Rubin did a whole thing about this. You guys should listen to it. We'll put a link in the show notes, but it's basically like some people are moderators and they can have like five chips. I don't know how you do it. I'm going to eat the whole bag. And maybe I should explain where this started. So this idea started when we did our closet and it was perfect timing because it was literally like Christmas day when we were loading our closet back with our clothes. And I noticed I had a few things still with tags on them and also noticed I had a few things that I've been meaning to alter or change in some way. Like an example is I have this really cute tank top. It's leopard print, of course. And the straps are too long. And so it's going to take me two seconds to sew it. But I felt this pang of guilt that was like, why would I ever even look at a store for something else when I already have things that have the tag on or that I'm waiting to alter to wear? I should just do that before I get something new. And so that's where it was born. I felt like my closet is full of things and full of options, both options that I wear and use and also options waiting in the wings. Right. Why should you add or accumulate more when you're not using the things you already have. Exactly. So I think that made it really like easy in my mind to see as I was loading my new drawers and pullouts and hanging bars. And I think maybe a tip for someone at home who wants to embark on a longer term project like this, like it's not just for a few weeks, it's like something you want to keep up for a long time. I definitely think the first tip could be going through what you have Because I think even I, a minimalist, when I was doing it, I was like, oh, yeah, I forgot about this. I wanted to shorten the straps. Like, it reminded me of all these sort of outstanding to-dos. And then I immediately jumped to, I should do that before I do anything else. Okay, while you were talking, I was totally listening, by the way. But I I was also Googling because that thing you said about Gretchen Rubin. Right, the moderator. I can't remember the opposite to Yeah, I had to look it up. It's Uh, a something-er. It's an abstainer. There it is. So that's what you're doing. You're abstaining completely because it's easier for you to set a rule when it's black or white. Like, you can have it or you cannot. There's not that gray area that a moderator can be comfortable with. Well, I also think there's a gray area between moderator and abstainer in this experiment because I do believe that you could say something like, each season I'm only allowed to buy three items. And so it's not none for a year, but it's also not this like amorphous goal of like, I'm just going to shop less, like maybe defining, you know, one new item of clothing per season or some sort of boundary that feels comfortable to you will help you. But what I've discovered is I immediately love this rule already because when someone is like saying this cute dress and I'm like, I have enough dresses, it immediately turns it off in my mind. It's like Tanya Hester once said, if you know you don't eat the burger and someone says, do you want a burger? It's a really easy no because I don't eat the burger. And so to me, this is just a very easy no. Like when I'm in Old Navy, I'm not going to look for myself because I'm sure I can find something that's cute and buy it, but it just takes it off the table in a very enlightening way. Like I feel lighter. It doesn't feel like a heavy burger. It feels like something has been lifted. Well, I guess we'll keep people posted throughout the year to see how you do. Yeah. Well, I'm interested to know if something breaks and I have to replace it, what it will be, because it will probably sound insane to someone else. Like, I'll be like, guys, my one black tank top, something happened to it. And everyone will probably be like, you had one black tank top? It's like, somehow a pack of squirrels got inside my drawer and all of my (laughs) underwear is gone. Just no underwear at all. Well, that's actually kind of a good lead into our interview that we have this week because... Segway is no underwear at all. (laughs) (laughs) We're interviewing a pack of squirrels. (laughs) No, 
Do you guys remember that at the end of last year, we did an episode with all those like little life hacks or sticking point solutions. And one of them was suggested by a listener who had given credit to someone named Emily Lay. And so we said like, this is originally from someone named Emily Lay. Well, after that episode came out, people were like, you don't know Emily? She's great. She has so many tips about simplifying and organizing all that stuff. You should have her on the podcast. And we, of course, felt a little bit sheepish that we had not met Emily yet. But we obviously got connected with her and we have her on the podcast. Here it is, guys. It was like a bunch of app mentions. Like, you don't know who Emily Lay is? And we're like, show me the way to Emily Lay. And now we get to talk to her and she's going to give us brilliant tips. And I'm very excited because nobody likes like life efficiency and streamlining your household stuff as much as I do. So let's give her a call. Hello. Hey, how are you? I'm so great. How are you guys? We're so excited to have you on because I feel like this is a topic that I want to explore more because I feel like we all are too busy, right? Like we can all accept that. And busy is not a badge we should wear proudly. We should try to figure out how to be less busy. And I feel like you might be able to shed some light on that. Well, I sure hope so. I feel like I've done all the wrong things and a couple of the right things lately. Well, and Emily, we're just getting introduced to you, which I'm so happy that our readers connected us to you. But I'm guessing there's probably some other folks out there that may be in our shoes. And I wondered, before we dive deep into your expertise on these areas, maybe you could give us like a quick backstory on you and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I am um, the creator of the Simplified Planner and the brand Simplified, which is a a whole bunch of um, organizational products and planners for women who are super busy. It all came about because I'm a mom to three kids. So I have an eight-year-old boy and I have twins who are four. And I was just really, really, really overwhelmed. When my first son was born, I was trying to, you know, manage the house and working full-time from home and trying to like love this new baby that I had. And I felt like I was failing at absolutely everything. And I went out to all the big stores and tried to find some kind of tool that could kind of like help me get my life together. And everything I found made me feel like a little bit more of a failure. So I decided to kind of take this love I have for organization and this kind of unique skill set I feel like I've developed for taking complicated things and making them a little bit easier and created a planner that is simplified. Well, and I love sort of your mix of viewpoints on this because maybe I'm stereotyping here, but I sometimes when I think about like planners and organizational tools, it seems like the end goal is to be hyper-functioning at your max productivity and squeezing in the most of your day. Yeah. But it sounds like that's not the end goal. I love that you said that because I think I started the business with that in mind. Like, let's take all of this that I'm trying to do and let's organize it and color code it and put it into the right buckets so that I can do it all, right? And what I've learned over the years is that if you're dealing with a mess, you have to clean up the mess first. You can't put a bunch of organizational things into it and expect it to work. And earlier this year, I just went through a season of just being totally overwhelmed, trying to you know, be a good mom to three kids and run this business. And I was trying to do all the things. And again, you know, I found myself in this place of why in the world do I feel so overwhelmed when I'm the expert at this? And why do I feel like all of these women that I know are overwhelmed as well? And not just women, men too, but, but like what in the world is happening to our world to make us all so exhausted? 
Well, I know one thing that I fall victim to is that when I do get on top of life and I feel like we're really efficient and organized and I create this like extra space in my day or extra time in my day, I see that as permission to add something else to fill that space. And then suddenly the day's full again and you don't have any wiggle room at all. Like you don't leave the space for yourself that you work so hard to create. Right. Yeah. We get this itch that we have to fill the margin. You know, once we've done the hard work to carve it out, I think our generation especially, like we've gotten accustomed to this idea that we are not successful or moving forward if we're not moving 90 miles an hour with our hair on fire. And, you know, for me, I have felt like, okay, in order for me to to do all these things, do them all well, I have to plan every single one to a T and I have to complete my entire to-do list in one day and be kind of this perfectionist about it. And I think what what we have to learn is that life is fluid and like at the end of the day, is that what we are going to be most proud of, you know, checking all the boxes or is it going to be that, you know, we had time to get on the floor and play with our kids or we had time to give attention to, you know, a project that popped up. I think it's about just having grace with yourself and not trying to, you know, compare to each other and also strive for this perfection thing. I'm sure lots of people are nodding along to this. I know I am at least. If someone agrees like, yes, 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 I need this space. I need to slow down. Where do you suggest they start? Like, what do they actually do to get there? The first thing I would tell someone is to get a big piece of paper. I love to use a a poster board and a Sharpie. When my husband sees it come out of the Sharpie, he's like, oh, great, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just make a big list of everything I'm committed to, everything our family is committed to, our kids are involved in, just everything that is crying for our attention. And then from there, decide what we're going to say yes to and what we're going to say no to. Because even though seasons change in life and we have seasons of life where we have to do X, Y, Z, we do have control. We do have a lot more control than we think we do. So I will decide, you know, this is a no for now. This this volunteer project is a no for now. This extra work thing is going to be a no for now. And I plan intentionally that margin that you talked about. Just like you plan a dentist appointment, I plan for that margin in our lives so that we can live the lives that we want to have. And does that look like literally writing in your planner, like from two to three every day is free time and I'm going to, you know, use it as a free space to respond to an email if I have to or read a book if I want to or run an errand if I want to? Or is it more like certain days, like every Wednesday is going to be a no activity day so the kids won't be overwhelmed? Like how do you actually work that into your schedule? At first, it looks like very tactically putting it on the calendar, like you said, having, you know, an afternoon where we're not doing anything or, you know, say a weekend. This weekend, we are not going to do a single thing. We're going to have time to just relax and connect and that kind of thing. But eventually, I think once you put that into practice a couple of times, it starts to look like just a general feeling of, okay, for this semester, each child is going to be involved in one extracurricular activity because those things add up real fast. And then, you know, in another season, it starts to look like, okay, in this season of work, I'm going to have, you know, two or three projects I'm working on and everything else is going to get pushed to the next season. So I think it's just a feeling that you develop 
after putting it into practice of saying, I am going to really value this margin. I'm going to let this be something that is extremely important to me, just like I would, you know, a work thing or a dentist appointment or something like that. Sherry, I think, shared this um, tip on someone else's podcast at one point, but I'm not sure we talked about it here ever. And it reminded me when you said that sometimes when we have to say no to a work commitment or something or, or a life commitment, sometimes we will actually write that thing still in our calendar then when you get to that moment on your calendar and you see, oh, this is the day I would have had to take the whole day off to go to that event, or I would have missed this afternoon for the meeting, you get that reminder like, I have now this afternoon free to do something else, or I'm able to get this other work done because I said no to something. Like it puts that um, no very concrete in your consciousness. I saw it just the other day where I had a doctor's appointment that we were able to move. I was in the middle of like a, a rushed thing. And I was like, thank goodness I'm not running off to that doctor's appointment now. Yeah, to be clear, we don't write it in our planner to confuse us. Like we have to go to that meeting when we don't. I write, right. you know, that event we were invited to said no. Because I needed to teach myself the positive ramifications of saying no. I always had a negative feeling of saying no. I felt bad. We were people pleasers. We want to do everything we're invited to do. FOMO. Right. There's all these reasons that you're like, I can't turn that income down. I can't turn that opportunity down. But also, we're like humans who have a finite amount of time in every day. And so I don't feel bad because when I get to that day, I'm like, how would I even have done that? You know, it's like a reminder to me to savor the space that saying no gave me. And I wouldn't have had that if I hadn't done the uncomfortable thing at the time, which was say no. And it has made it easier for me to say no. That makes me think of this really fun thing that I like to do at the end of the year or the beginning of the year is to take your planner or your iCal or whatever you use to manage your time to sit down and to look back at it. So go day by day and look at all the things you committed to. And for me, it's this fun exercise of like reconsidering everything. Like, okay, I said I would speak at this event and here's how it went and here's how I felt about it and what it contributed to the overall quality of life at the time. For me, it really helps me get to a place where I'm like, okay, I know kind of where my priorities lie this year in this new season and what we're going to say yes and no to again. I think, you know, for a lot of people, that sounds well and good. But when it actually comes to practice, you know, you talk yourself into things like, well, I can't, I can't abandon my book group, you know, or whatever it is. <laughs> um, were there things in your life that were easier to let go of than you expected? Yeah, kid stuff. I mean, you guys know you have kids. I wanted my kids to be able to do everything they wanted to do. They have giant personalities and they want to be involved in every single thing that comes their way. And as you know, the mom and my husband too, we're like, of course, we want you to be in gymnastics and cheerleading and the school play and all of this. But we know what that does to us, you know, running kids around that nonstop. And what I've seen is what it does to them, that it makes them so overwhelmed. So I thought it was going to be really hard to sit my eight-year-old down and say, okay, Brady, you you know want to be in every sports team at school, but I think what we're going to try is you just trying one. And he was relieved. Like, I fully expected an actual conversation to have to ensue about you know, time and why it's important to have time to be bored or time to go play kickball in the yard with the neighbor kids or whatever. And we immediately saw like the fruit of that for him that he really was stretched in. And I, it was just kind of a thought, a feeling we had. And 
I think it really made a big difference for him to say, we're going to do one thing and we're going to make intentional time for you to go play outside. That's just as important. Well, and I had a similar conversation on the opposite side of that with our daughter this morning because I was talking to her about trying to plan a play date. You know, yep. that's a whole other topic, planning play dates. But um, <laughs> with uh, some of her friends after school and as I, we were going through her friend list, she was like, no, she has guitar lessons. No, she has Girl Scouts. And my daughter was kind of getting sad at the fact that even her friends were so unavailable because of the scheduling of things. And so it's sort of that same thing you were just saying hit me in a different way too. And that's the thing that like, I sat down and said, what in the world are we doing? Like, why are we running ourselves so ragged? And for what? I don't know. I feel like the whole world is telling us and our kids that we have to be so busy all the time. And I think there's so much, there's a lot of value in what you learn doing things like that. And there's also value in what you learn in the backyard. Right. My kids got so bored the other day, they made a box into a house for figures. And then they decided that the figures were going to be crayons. And they gave the crayons personalities. And I was like, this is the power of boredom. I love it. Well, Emily, is there another aspect of life that you think people often overlook as a way that they could simplify? Well, I mean, I think the obvious one is our homes. Our homes have the power to really refuel and replenish us to be places of rest. And when they're filled with clutter and distractions and things like that, it's easy to like not find that rest or not allow our homes to have that kind of power. So even if you just walk your house with a trash bag and collect trash, like receipts and tags or whatever, just collect all the trash, that little small bite, it just gives you a very quick taste of what it can feel like if you pare down and allow, you know, your house to be the kind of place you want it to be, no matter the size or space or any of that. Well, we noticed the other day that our kids' bookshelves were getting really packed, like they were having to stack books on top of other books. And so we just sat down with them and said, Let's go through these and tell me what you still want here. Because I think we had overlooked the fact that like, as your kids get older, you know, their taste in book changed, their reading level changed. And we still had like a bunch of board books for our five-year-old and he didn't need them anymore. And so it was so easy for them to say, don't need that, don't need that, don't need that. Like, I don't think they have the same emotional attachment that a lot of adults have to books. Right. And so we made all this space in within an hour for them to now have it clutter-free, easier to find books and more room for the next book. Yeah, and the funny thing about that was that John... John comes from a long line of book lovers, too, and his mom has worked at the library forever. So John had a lot of attachment to the books, and he kept saying, what should we do? Should we save these for, like, grandkids? And I was like, John, they go to the library at school. There's a school library, and they check out books. Then they go to the library with us, and they check out books. And then they often come home one day a week. They go with their grandparents after school, and they come home with books from them. And I think the reason they're so easy to let go of the ones in their house is they're always much more excited by the new reading they've never done. And we as parents should encourage them to continue reading new books and having new experiences and learning new words and all of that. So I'm like, yeah, sometimes it's our own baggage and the kids are like so easy to let it go, but we think it's going to be hard. Absolutely. And and by the way, what a great thing to teach them for them to do it with you to sit down and like learn how to do it. My mom's like the original. She's the OG organizer in the family. And she always says that she had a family member say to her one time, 
why do you clean Emily's room with her? Like, why don't you just tell her to go in there and clean her room? And she said, because kids aren't born knowing how to do that, like how to go through things and make choices and decide, you know, how to put things away so that they're most useful. And so I have to show her and do it with her. And here she raised a a planner maker. I love that because sometimes I, it's not like I'm micromanaging because I'll let my daughter who's nine do things. Sometimes it is. (laughs) Well, it's not, it's that I'm trying to show her the benefits. Sometimes she thinks it's like a punishment when I'm like, the room is crazy. Let's deal with the room. But then halfway through it, she'll be like, mom, I have this whole shelf now. And then the funny thing is that I'll go up, you know, two hours later. And literally this happened last week. She had a troll doll with a note taped to its hand. And the troll doll said, this is where life library books go. Library books go in this cubby. And I was like, you're more organized than I am. I'm always looking for the library books. Like I was so impressed. I was beaming. I am so here for the troll dolls, by the way. I think that's (laughs) (laughs) okay. I have to go back to what you said about the library because it made me think of this story. Have you ever thought about like all of the ways of automating life that have become like modern conveniences these days that are fantastic But I've been thinking a lot lately about the way that they take away from life a little bit. For us, when I was a kid, it was um, an old RV that our local library put together. And it was a traveling children's library. And they would come and park in the Kmart parking lot by our house when I was a kid. And my mom, uh, she was a teacher for forever. And she would, during the summertime, take me up to the bookmobile. And we would go inside and there was like beanbag chairs on the ground and um, books lining all the walls. And it's it's like where I fell in love with Clifford the Big Red Dog and then later Babysitter's Club and all of those things. And then I would go home and read them as quick as I could so that we could go back the next week and trade them out. And what do I do now when my kids want books? Typically, I just buy it on Amazon and it comes the next day. And I honestly believe that like something is being lost there. And so I love what you said about the library, because last year I was like, we need library cards. And why do we not have library cards yet? We just moved here, but we off we went to the library and got library cards and sat on the floor and looked through all the books. And it was it was so fun, but we had become so busy that it like wasn't an option for a while. I totally agree with you. I was thinking this summer because in the beach where we stay with the kids over the summer, we have like four little free libraries within walking distance. We can walk any direction and go to one. You know, those are those like little mailbox type things where people just put like free, you know, leave a book, take a book type things. Yeah. And I realized how fun the actual activity of the seeking of the books was instead of, like you said, automating it and something just showing up. Like it wasn't just fun for our kids to get a new book. It was fun to walk to a place and see some friends and see some chalk drawings on the sidewalk and pet a cat. Like it was all these experiences that we were having and we'd get to one and there'd be no kids books and it'd be like, oh darn, okay, let's go to the next one. And sometimes we'd get like a mile and a half walking because we'd do all four of them. And I just think of all that that gave us this summer, the right. like memories and just the idea of having an activity instead of it just arriving at the door and being like handed to us in such a non-exciting way. <laughs> right, the experience is so much a part of it. I want to talk a bit more specifically about planners and like life organizing tools since I know that's totally your wheelhouse. Yeah. I'm going to fess up that I am not like a writer downer planner type person. Emily, you know this because this is the second time we scheduled this interview (laughs) because I didn't write it down the first time and I misremembered the date and I totally screwed it up, which is an embarrassing thing to do to anyone, but to do it to your guest who is a professional planner seller. Oh my God. 
I was like, you didn't write it in the planner because I live and die by the planner. Right. The planner is like at any moment I know what's on the next page and the next page and I'm thumbing through it. And John's the person who either forgets to write in it or this is my personal pet peeve. He will flip like a month later and write something down and then leave it open to that date. And I'm like, can you please return the planner <laughs> to the current date, John? It's alarming to me when I approach the planner and it's something happening that Tuesday that is not in fact that Tuesday. I think my philosophy, which I'm not defending, I'm just explaining. Because <laughs> it doesn't work. <laughs> is, if it's important enough to remember, I'll just remember it. Right. <laughs> but, oh, I know. I know. I've done the same thing. Uh, I thought maybe you could speak to me and to anyone like me. What would you suggest as a way for us to maybe become converts or at least dip our toes into it? Because yeah. planners can be scary, I'll say. Like, it's overwhelming a little bit sometimes for me. No, totally. Well, I think a lot of times we have a lot of customers who will say, oh, you know, I'm afraid to get it messy. It's so pretty and I don't want to like use my bad handwriting on it or mess up or have to use whiteout. And we always tell them like, D- you have to dig in. You have to jump in. You have to make it part of your daily routine. So pick a time of day where you're going to check in with it and um, let it really be the hub of all the things rather than trying to have, you know, stuff in lots of different places. It reminds me because one thing I sometimes think about is like that bullet journaling would be good for me because I'm someone who likes that kind of like personal tracking thing. Yeah. But I always see all these like Pinterest bullet journals and like everyone seems to be a calligrapher all of a sudden. (laughs) And I'm like, well, I couldn't achieve that. So I shouldn't do it. So what you said about like, not being afraid to dig in and get it messy and just do it is is a helpful reminder to me. It reminds me so much of people who are like, I have a new house and I need your advice for art because I'm afraid of making holes. And I'm like, well... I have 10 holes behind every painting because I move it up an inch or down an inch. They bother me zero. It's so funny. Like um, people will say, oh my gosh, I love all the pictures you guys post over on your Instagram at Simplified, like with all the um, the pretty washi tape and the color coding and the stickers and all of that. My planner is a disaster. And that's why <laughs> you don't see a lot of pictures of it because it just has to be a disaster to work for me. I write all kinds of things in it like notes from the day, what we're having for dinner, you know, it's a mess. Well, Emily, since we were introduced to you because of one of your life hacks that a listener submitted uh, for one of our episodes, I think it was the one about searching unsubscribe in your inbox so you can find newsletters and sale emails to get rid of. Yes. I wondered if you had any other favorite life hacks or little sticking point solutions that you wanted to share with us? Yes. Okay. You know that feeling when everything is kind of undone in your house and you're like, I have got to clean this house up, but it feels like something that's going to take you six hours. My four-year-olds even do this. We get a laundry basket, we walk the house and everything that's out of place goes into the laundry basket, whatever it is, cups, you know, toys, whatever. All goes into the laundry basket. Then together we dump it out on the kitchen table. We sort it into whose room it goes into. And then we all put it away. And it's literally done in like 15 minutes. Oh my gosh, I love that. I do that thing that never works for any mom in the history of life where I put it on the stairs and I think someone's going to go up the stairs and grab it. It happens 0% of the time. I go up the stairs and do it slowly throughout the day because everyone else walks by like they're blinded and can't see it. That is the exact same in my house. But I bet if I said like, guys, one minute boogie, we're going to turn on a song in the kitchen. Everyone's going to go to the island and then we're all going to bring stuff upstairs. They would totally love it. Yes. Okay. We call this power cleaning in our house. Like we do. We turn on the dance party playlist. And so they're like, it's a game. And so they go fast and they put everything in the laundry basket and then put it away. 
and then it's over. And one thing we love to ask our guests, Emily, is, you know, there's probably about five or 10 minutes left in this podcast for our listeners. If you could give them one actionable thing or activity they could do in that time or in the time after this episode ends, what would you suggest they do to start down the path of a more simplified year? Find something to say no to. Anything. You can say no. And no is a complete sentence. I had someone tell me that one time when I was I wasn't able to speak at this thing and I was giving all the apologies and reasons and all of that. And this person said, no is a complete sentence. And being unapologetic about protecting your boundaries and your margin, I think is so important. So just finding one thing that you can say no to will will put you on a path to living a life that's a little bit lighter. Thank you, Emily. This has been wonderful. Thank you, guys. This was so much fun. Well, and we'll make sure that in our show notes at younghouselove.com slash podcast, people can find all of the stuff they need from Emily. So um, we'll link to your shop. So if they want to check out your planners any or any of your other planning advice and also your books, you've got three books. So we'll link those in the show notes as well for everyone. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. Oh, and I forgot to mention that Emily actually set up a special discount code for just our listeners. So if you go to the show notes, I will put that code in there and you can get 20% off anything in her shop. So if you want one of her planners, go to younghouselove.com slash podcast for all that info. Next up we have We're Digging. I'm actually digging my sort of latest go-to thing when we need to hang like a picture or a mirror or something heavy. Yeah, these are good guys. But first we're gonna take a quick break. If you've heard about this week's sponsor before, you may already know two things about Grove Collaborative. One, they're an online marketplace of cleaning products, there's personal care products, there's even stuff for your kids and your pets, and everything that they sell is good for you and the planet. It's natural, non-toxic, even cruelty-free. You know, brands like Seventh Generation, Burt's Bees, and Method. Yes, and fact number two is you can get it all delivered straight to your door, and you can even set up regular recurring shipments so you never run short on anything from detergent to deodorant. Toilet paper. You know people run out of toilet paper. It's a bad scene. But the thing that I think lots of people don't know about Grove is that they sell a lot of their own products. And we've bought them with our own money and love them. The eco-friendly wool dryer balls are awesome. They also have a Grove bubble up scrubbing brush that we love. It's really cute. It has a wood handle. You know I care about things on the counter. Looks great and it works really well. Basically, not only can you use Grove Collaborative to shop the brands you already buy, but there's also lots of exclusive Grove stuff that's available too. And if you go to grove.co slash YHL, they'll send you a free five piece Mrs. Myers and Grove cleaning set with your first order. So basically $30 worth of cleaning stuff thrown in just for free. Be sure to go to grove.co not.com slash YHL to get it. This is probably the first time in the history of the podcast that I've dug a screw. <laughs> it's a fantastic screw though. Like it makes really easy work of hanging heavy things. And you know what I get asked all the freaking time? How do I hang this heavy thing? <laughs> Well, obviously, there's lots of ways that you can hang heavy objects, whether it's a picture frame or a mirror or shelves or hooks or whatever. But I found when we were doing projects like the duplex and even things around our own home that I wanted something that was kind of quick and didn't involve as many tools or as much dust. So the thing that we've been using a lot lately are these little packs of easy anchor screws. That one right here. And you may have seen them before because if you've bought some heavy mirror, I've noticed more and more they're coming packaged with things like this. It's a set of screws, but also anchors. The anchors are the important part. 
And they're these kind of larger plastic anchors, not your typical ones that you're used to that you have to actually like drill a hole in the wall for and like hammer them in. Usually they're white and they've got a self-drilling kind of corkscrew on the end. And so you can get them into your wall with the same drill that you'll be using in the next step to actually add the screw into it. So I love that we can hang something quickly because we don't have to get out a separate drill bit. We don't have all the dust from a drill bit. And uh, we have two packs at home, one that holds up to 50 pound items into drywall and the other one is up to 75 pounds. So they're really heavy duty as well. So they've become our sort of quick go-to way to feel confident about hanging something heavy. Yeah, they're the best. And what I'm digging, guys, I'm very passionate. Sit down, write this down, send yourself a text to remind yourself or an email. This is truly like one of my favorite things we've discovered lately. It is a new show on Bravo called The Circle. It is on Netflix. It's on Netflix. Just kidding. John's in charge of the remote. I just say, put on The Circle. And then my robot husband puts it on. This is very meta to the concept of the show. (laughs) Guys, this show is a joy. I'm telling everyone about it. Our son's teacher stopped by the other day to drop something off. And I was like literally in the foyer of our house being like, you have to watch this show. It's called The Circle and it's amazing. The concept of the show is everyone is kind of quarantined in different apartments in a large condo or complex. Yeah, it's like they are isolated in an apartment with no other people. Their only contact with the other contestants is through this fake social media platform called The Circle. And so it becomes a social media competition where it kind of mimics the way that in real life people are interacting and judging one another based on only the things they can see on a screen. So the contestants make profiles, they enter chats together, they share pictures and all this stuff. And some of the people are playing as themselves, like true, authentic themselves, but then other players are catfishing people. Like they're pretending to be someone else. Like there's a guy in there who's playing as his girlfriend. So he's using all of his girlfriend's photos and the entire time is doing his best to say what he thinks girls would say. And guys, it's like so entertaining. Like someone asked him his dream date and he was like, well, first I'd wear a beautiful dress. <laughs> I'm like, no one would ever say that. It's like he thinks he's really smooth and we're all like dying laughing. It's also funny when he's talking to another guy who's playing himself. So it's like a guy trying to woo what he thinks is a girl, but it's this guy who's pretending to be a girl. And the conversations are just cracking us up. So there's all these characters. There's also a guy named Shabam, and I'm convinced he is the best human on the planet. Like I watch it and I cry with love for him. So this is truly one of those shows where the concept is unique and funny. Like the certain catfishing gets so exciting when they get discovered and they have to meet each other. I have cried watching this show because the people are just so pure and so wonderful. Yeah, don't write it off as a bunch of like ditzy 20-somethings trying to flirt with one another because it comes across as that in the first like half hour or so because all the characters are like very over the top and like trying to be these almost caricatures of a person. But like you really do warm up with it over time. And it's just also so funny because the way they interact with one another is through these chats. But since like watching people type on a computer would be really boring, everything is voice activated. Oh yeah, it is funny to hear them say like, send message. Like they're standing there speaking, like dictating what they're going to say. And they'll be like, LOL. Circle, send message. Oh my gosh, you are hilarious. I am rolling on the floor laughing over here. (laughs) LOL, laughy emoji. Yeah, (laughs) they're like little hard eyes emoji and then the one with the hands out giving a hug. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Young House Love Has a Podcast. And Circle, message our listeners. We'd really appreciate it if you shared this episode with a friend or family member. Heart emoji, party horn emoji, winky face emoji, send. 
And I loved this message we got from a listener who tuned into our podcast while revamping the sad, graffitied little free library in their neighborhood. Oh, how appropriate, given our library talk earlier. I know, and I'm so bummed because my screenshot didn't capture the person's name. So please know that we loved the photo, and thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to go to younghouselove.com slash podcast for that discount code if you want to snag one of Emily's simplified planners. And I'll link those easy anchors, too. And I'll put in a trailer for The Circle. If you don't listen to anything else I say, just watch The Circle. Love ya. Bye. Bye. Winky face emoji. Okay, um, test, test, test. My microphone is working. This is Zoe Deschanel singing the national anthem. Oh, Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hear. It's becoming Maya Rudolph right now. (laughs) It is.